are listening to the American Truth Project podcast. And applause on the Ask for America president um, for the Boston chapter. I appreciate that you all came here today to listen to Annie Cyrus tell her story and also for being brave and loyal Americans who stand up against those who want to suppress our free speech. So did everybody in the room hear about the Council on American Islamic Relations? They wanted to shut us down. Anybody hear that? Yes. No, I didn't hear that, but that's what they yeah, do. Yeah, so that, that could be why we have not so many people that came, because I think they might have been afraid. So a huge thank you to Post 440, Commander Nick, where are you, Nick? There you are in the back. And do you say Commander McGillery? Yeah. Okay, I'll learn. I'll learn. Um, and the fellow veterans here at Post 440, so despite the fact that they received numerous calls and emails from CARE National, if people know about CARE, so CARE National and CARE Massachusetts, requesting that they shut down this speaking event so that Annie couldn't speak, they said, no way, no way are we going to shut down the event. So huge round of applause. So I just want to say one thing about what CARE wrote in their email. So they wrote, while every American has the right to free speech, even the kind of bigoted and misinformed speech offered by Ms. Cyrus, credible organizations like the American Legion should not provide platforms that imply approval or offer credibility to hate-filled views. Apparently, this is pretty ironic, I They're thought. They're the ones that are the hate. Yes, yeah. but, but they didn't know who they were dealing with. Yeah. Apparently, they didn't know what the American Legion stands for. So. The title of this event is the U.S. Constitution and Sharia. Can they coexist? So how ironic is that? So please join me in giving the loyal American patriots here at Post 440 a bigger, bigger round of applause. Bigger. Commander McGilvery, but I'm just going to say um, he's going to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. So when we do stand, um, I just want you to know that we have love and appreciation in our hearts for all of you. So I know everybody in the room feels the same way. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen, my name is John McGilvery. I'm a post commander of American Legion Post 45. Back there is Nick Pascarosa, who is the president of the Sons of the American Legion. Now, this post, in the back room there, is the preamble of the American Legion. And it tells us that we're here as veterans to support Americanism. And that stands for a number of things, one of which is freedom of speech. And we're not going to be intimidated by any group. So when we rent the South and when we say, hey, right here, you can hold your meeting, you can have your event, we're not going to let someone come and tell us that you can't. And that's why I'm here. And I was hoping that there was someone from the opposition that was going to tell me that you couldn't do it. And I don't see anyone here tonight. So. It's the American Legion position that we support Americanism. And that ism 
doesn't stand for racism, sexism, any of those isms. And we are here to support the rights of all Americans, which includes you. So you should feel safe. You should have a great meeting. You are here at the American Legion. We're here, not here to support your, your philosophy or anything, but support your rights. And that's all we're doing. So having said that, I'm going to ask that we all stand, face the flag, and recite our Pledge of Allegiance. All right. And salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so we wanted this event to be conversational style, and you'll notice on your tables there are index cards and pens. So instead of having people um, stand up and ask a question, we're going to have Emma, who's over there in the back, waving. If you have a question for Annie, Emma will. You can just raise your, you know, raise the card in your hand. Emma will pick it up for you. She'll hand it to me, and I'll read it. I'll read it to Annie, okay? Um, so it, also, if you'd like to be on our email list, there's um, sign-up sheets over there at the table. How you doing, Annie? I'm doing great. So Annie and I, uh, are, this is our second time. Yes. This is our second time. So let me introduce you to Annie Cyrus. Annie was born in, I learned from you. Where were you born? Islamic Republic of Iran. Exactly. And boy, does she have a story to tell us. So please join me in giving a warm Massachusetts welcome to Annie Cyrus. So Annie, thank you for being with, with us today. Thank you for being here. Well, considering what is going on, thank you for having me here. No, I love having you. You look gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I can say that, right? No sexism, just making sure. OK. So how are you enjoying your visit to Massachusetts? Uh, so far, I'm loving it. But I, I was told that I need to take more time to go and see places and learn more about the history. Next time when you come back. Hopefully. Next time when you come back. Annie actually got a tour of the US Constitution, right? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Not a lot of people get that opportunity. You had a private tour. Yeah, I felt really special. Oh, wow. Good. So if you haven't gone to the U.S. Constitution, make sure that you go. Make sure you go. I know that it was being repaired. Was it being repaired when you all were there? Done. Yes. It's all done? Who said that? I did. It's, it's all done. It's all done. Okay. I take your word on it, Frank. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, Annie, yes. would you please share with the folks how you began your journey to America? Uh, sure. I, as, I, as I said, I was uh, born and raised in the Islamic Republic of Iran. And if you don't mind, I'm going to note this part. It is very important. Every time you talk about Iran or Iran, you might say it. Don't just say Iran. Make sure to say Islamic Republic of Iran. Reason. Iran wasn't always Islamic. Iran used to be known as Mini America in the Middle East until 1979 when Ayatollah Khomeini hijacked the revolution and turned the country into Islamic country. So you need to mention the Islamic Republic of Iran because the constitution of Iran comes from Sharia 
Quran, life of Muhammad, and Hadith. Anyways, I was born after the revolution, so pretty much Sharia applied to me. And um, by, by the time I reached age 14, I was put in prison for crimes such as wearing nail polish, showing a bit of my hair just a bit, accidentally from back of my hijab, going to a party where girls and boys were all in the same room, singing publicly, and on and on, different crimes that I committed. I was lashed over 100 times. I was raped over I don't know how many times. And by the time I reached age 14, my father decided to sell me to marriage, and I became a child bride. Uh, about a year and some months into my so-called marriage, I managed, with the help of my grandmother, to escape, and I was smuggled out of the country to Turkey, and I became a refugee, real refugee, respectfully going through proper channels, waiting my term until I was uh, welcome to America. I came in on 2002, and since 2010, I am a proud American citizen. Wow, what a story. That is quite the story. So I, I had a question for you. What, what about your grandmother? Is she still alive? Unfortunately, no. She passed away. And actually, that's why I do mention her now, because she can't get in trouble anymore. She passed away back in 2008. So was she, was she here in America with you? Oh, no. She was back in Iran. And uh, she was um, investigated, but they really couldn't prove anything. There was no way they could prove she did it. And she was pretty old and sick, so they, they, you know, made her go to court and all that for about a month or so, and that was the end of it. Okay, so then, so did you leave other family members behind? Yes, I did, but um, I have been disowned, I have been disowned by every single one of them. So, is that because you left Iran or because you left Islam? Both. Okay. Because when you leave Iran, Based on the law, I committed adultery. I was a married woman who left her husband. So I brought shame to the family in Iran by committing adultery. And then I started speaking out against um, Islam, which is double the trouble. Okay. So do people know that? Did people know any of this? People know any of this? So what else did you leave behind? I was wondering, how, you know, how hard was it for you to acclimate to American culture? But like, do you miss certain things? Do you miss the food? No, I'm serious. No, I right? don't because I actually know how to cook Persian food. Uh, okay, there you go. As I said, in Islam, at age nine, you're called an adult woman. So at around age seven, you start getting trained to be a woman. Learning how to cook is one of them. Um, but I do miss, it, it, you know, it's my motherland. I do miss it. I miss the country as it is. But to be honest, um, I, I call America my home. That's, that's how I feel. That's very nice. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in the room remember um, the fall of the Shah, right? In the hostage situation, right? Unfortunately, I'm a little older than you are, so I remember that. It was on the news every night, right? It was on the news every night. They talked about it. So do you have any siblings? Yes, I do. I do, uh, but I normally leave them out of all my conversations for their own safety. But are you in touch with them? I mean... Uh, no, not really. Again, safety purposes. You know, I left uh, Islam, and that was my first crime, second crime. I do have a stoning issue because of my adultery, and I do have um, execution order on me because I left Islam. So anyone who's affiliated with me, family-wise, could be in trouble in Iran. 
Okay, and that's and then that's why CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations, right? That's why. That's why they wanted to shut down the event because they don't want you to speak. And yes, because I stand for everything that they're against. Powerful woman, you are who has a voice <laughs> and has a first-hand experience of what real Islam means. They wouldn't want me to speak. No. So for those of you who grew, anybody here grew up in Boston, don't you think she'd fit right in? Don't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we went over things that you miss. What do you like about America? My freedom. That's number one thing. And, and when I came in, I always say I was promised, I was given one promise and that was that I can be a free woman. And thank you so much. They actually proved that to me by not um, giving in and not um, denying me this event tonight. So freedom is the only thing that I might add, I had to learn what freedom is when I got here because I had no idea what it means. You were used to it. I, I, not only I wasn't used to it, I was never explained what freedom is because as a woman, you are nothing but a property, so you're always controlled by your male guardian. So it took me about two years to learn what freedom is and what I can do with it. And when I learned, that was the very first thing that I fell in love with. So you, are you used to it now, would you say that? Oh, absolutely. Good luck taking it away from me now. <laughs> but in some ways, I mean, you have to have security when you come out to speak now. Yes, but that is not due to our constitution. That is to, due right. to our, right. um, I normally try to stay away from this word, but that's uh, due to our politicians trying to, you know, politically correct us at all costs so we wouldn't hurt their feelings. Right, we had this conversation last night, right? Yes, yes, we did. Right, right. So we're going to jump. We're going to jump around a little bit. So I just want to ask you this question because I've learned a lot by being with you over the last couple of days. She's educated me on some of the things that I used to say. I used to say Sharia law, but you say Sharia. Sharia. So if you say Sharia law, that's redundant, right? That's redundant. Yes, Sharia is basically Islamic laws. So when you say Sharia law, you're adding an extra law there. Okay. So we, we keep it. You also said yesterday that many American Muslims haven't read the Quran. You, did you say that? Yes. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, most of American converts uh, don't read the Quran. Um, but in general, a huge number of practicing Muslims have never bothered to read the Quran. And the reason I say that is, if you look into other ex-Muslims who are speaking out, they will tell you that they were devoted Muslims until something or someone caused them to go and read the Quran, and when they were done reading it, they decided to leave Islam behind. Okay, so I was wondering, if they haven't read the Quran, and you hear a lot of uh, Muslims say, my religion has been hijacked, is, could that be why they're saying that? Because they don't know what's in the book? That's one of the reasons. The second reason is just like, uh, hijack was a word created by, again, uh, organizations like CARE to cover up the reality. So they go there just like the Islamophobia word, you know, oh, you're Islamophobe. It, it's the hijack word was created so it would create enough confusion for no one to know what's the real version of Islam. Okay. So how many people in, in this room have read the Quran or read parts of it? Okay, so people need to go to the library. Need to go to the library. Oh no, you can just go online. But go online. But I like libraries. 
I'm well, a big I know, fan but, of the but, but some people just may not have the time, you or you know, time. you may not find the proper translation. So just go to Quran, Q U R A N dot com. <laughs> it's all there, and you want to look uh, Sahih International Translation. That's the best one you can get. So you can use those index cards also um, to write down any notes or any links that that Annie gives you. So what's the proper way to spell Quran? Because it's with the Q or it's with the K? Which one is it? Actually, it's with a Q. With the Q. Because the, the actual word for it isn't Quran, it's Quran. So it's a A sounding, which Q is used for in English. Okay, that's good. We all, we'll, get, we'll all get that right. So is Islam a religion of peace? Islam is not a religion, are you? It's not a religion. If it's not a religion, then what is it? Uh, it's a control system. It's a brainwash system. And you could also say it's an ideology. That's what it is. So if people are having conversations in this room with people that don't believe your story, don't believe anything about Islam, what should they say? Some people say it's a political and military system. What would what would be the, what would be the best way for them to be able to articulate to somebody else what, to what honest, Islam is? To be honest, um, I'm okay with it as long as they don't refer to it as religion, because again, it is so detailed as far as controlling every aspect of your life, day to day, from how to sit down and how to eat and how to do your prayer and how to breathe. It's hard to put it under one category, at least for me, because I don't have the proper English word for it. But um, I normally go with the ideology. Okay. That's what I go so with. So it's an ideology. Right. And so do people in the room know that it does right, dictate how from getting up in the morning, right, right, to go in the bathroom, to how you eat, to how you dress? Right? Absolutely. Do people know that? Yeah. People familiar with that? So we determined that it's not a religion. No, it is not. Okay. So the title of this event, right, the title of this event is the U.S. Constitution and Sharia. Can they coexist? So what do you think? Can they coexist? Short answer? Absolutely not. Okay, but, but give a longer answer. Give a longer answer as to why they can't, they can't coexist. Okay, longer version. Uh, let's just start by our First Amendment. Okay. Freedom of religion. In Islam, if you leave Islam, like me, you will be punished by death. So there is no freedom of religion right there, right? Yeah. Then we go to freedom of speech. Under Islam, for any reason, if you use any word that is insulting to Allah or Muhammad or Islamic leaders, you're punished by death. Here's your freedom of speech. Then freedom of press. If you want to make any movie, if you want to release any article, if you're a journalist, anything you want to do, you have to have authorization from the actual Sharia department of the Islamic country. If it doesn't go with Sharia, you're not allowed to release that movie or article or anything. And if you decide to do so, punishable by death. So right there, three points that there is no way it can coexist with our country. There's no choice. No choice. No. There no choice. No, there isn't. No choice. No, Muhammad himself said, heaven is um, under the shadow of the sword. That says it all. That says it all. So here's a question, and then I'm going to get to some of these questions. Who's more important in Islam, Allah or Muhammad? Muhammad. And why is that? Well, first of all, Allah said in Quran, um, over 91 verses in Quran says, Muhammad is a perfect example of a man, and you should follow his footsteps. 
That's number one reason. Allah himself says, forget about me, follow Muhammad. And 99.9% of Sharia is based on what Muhammad wanted to do and did. You look at Quran, every verse that overwrites the older verse somehow is very convenient for what Muhammad was going through at that moment and how it would please him. You look at his lifestyle, everything was for his benefit. So the whole Islam thing was created by Muhammad, so therefore Muhammad is a priority when it comes to it. No room, room for women in there. No, 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 definitely. There was two things that for sure Muhammad hated with everything he got, and that was woman and animal. Animals. Did you say animals? But you, you, he hated women, but he had a lot around him. He hated women as human. He, he loved women as sex slaves. Okay, and his cooking and producing babies. That is the purpose of woman. As Kara mentioned, I have said that the only reason for existence of a woman in Islam is to seduce a man or please a man. Actually, they put that wrong in there. I didn't say seduce. I said please the man and also continue the generation of Mohammedans, which is Muslims. So does that mean that they can have multiple wives? Uh, yes. A lot of people, people in, in, um, that I that I talk to, they don't believe that it's happening in the United States. Just, just, just like, don't. just like female genital mutilation doesn't happen in America. Just like childbirth don't happen, honor killings don't happen. Right. Uh, no. Uh, Quran itself says uh, in Quran, Allah said you can have up to four permanent wives and unlimited sex slaves. And but Muhammad had an extra ticket there to have up to eleven wives at a time. Eleven. That's the magic number. I think that's a half of a football team, right? No, it's isn't actually a full isn't football. Is a full football team? I, mean, I, I guess I, I meant football game. An I meant game. American football. So half of a half of a game. Sorry. Okay, so I'm going to read one of the questions here. It says, "I have heard that Islam is a cult. Do you think it is?" Yes, I do. It is. What, what is a cult when there is no actual existence of a faith and it's just basically conning you into following somebody's footsteps? So yes, it so you think it's a cult. cult. So you think it's a cult. I'm going to try to read this one, um, the right. It says, why is leaving your husband even alone, oh, without another man, considered adultery? So why is leaving your husband, so I guess going out of the house alone? Is that, is that the question? It says, why is leaving your husband even alone without another man considered adultery? Did I well, say that right? Well, uh, under Sharia, Men are in charge of women. As a woman, you always have a male guardian. It's either your father, your father's father, or your husband. And whatever you want to do, you need an actual written authorization from them. Let's say you want to get a job. Let's say you want to leave the country. You want to get a passport. You want to buy a property. Any of that, you need the written authorization. Someone like me, what did I do? I just left. Not only I didn't have the authorization, I didn't even tell him I'm planning to do it. Therefore, I uh, broke the chain of my slavery. That under Islam is punishable by death. It is adultery because you basically cheated on your husband by not following him or letting him control you, basically. That's why you should move to Boston because you'll fit right in. <laughs> I'm serious. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to act. I'm serious. Um, so what is the biggest threat, in your opinion, in your opinion, what is the biggest threat we are facing in America when it comes to Sharia? Uh, the biggest threat is the fact that 
it goes against our constitution. So they are working toward one thing at the moment, and that is to override our constitution. For example, they are working so hard to have a specific, I'm not sure if you check or not, but go to CARES website, they actually have an Islamophobia line. So if you witness Islamophobia, call them. First thing they do is they get their team of lawyers to come after you and sue you. Even though, again, we have the First Amendment as of right now. Okay, we kind of still have the First Amendment, let's not go full. So, but they are going after our Constitution. Reason, okay, I always say this. American Constitution, our Constitution is the best there is out there. No argues there. And the only way they haven't been able to take over our country is because of our Constitution. So the only way they can actually do it is get rid of the Constitution. And that is the biggest threat that a lot of people are not seeing. Right, and, and I don't know if people know, you've noticed that Confederate statues and monuments have been coming down across the country. People notice that? Yeah. If you Google care and Confederate monuments, okay, they're, they're a part of what's happening. They are, they are a part of this. Um, they put out a press release in August of 2017, um, and then shortly thereafter, Governor Baker, I know it's not supposed to be a political event, I'm just going to say, he had the only statue, uh, the only monument, sorry, Confederate monument in Massachusetts, which was on George's Island, he had it removed very quietly over the Columbus Day weekend, and it's now in the state archives. Okay, so CARE is involved in that. So they are working very actively to get to get rid of that, to get rid of our history. So I'm going to read another question here. Um, well, if, oh, go on. if you just give me a quick second, what you mentioned, getting rid of history, that is what Islam does. They come in and they literally take away your entire history, your entire identity, and they rebuild it. I don't know if you're aware or not, but this morning I actually received a picture from London, UK. The new uh, police cars are out. And in English it says London police, and then in Arabic it also says London police. And let that begin. This is what they do. They take over. An example I gave you yesterday. I don't know if you know or not, but if you look up Persia, you know, Iran as of today, the language was Parsi, coming from Pars people. Why do you think it's called Farsi today? Because in Arabic alphabet there's no such a thing as P. So they couldn't pronounce our language, so they changed it to Farsi. And right now, I, sadly, I was raised after you know Islamization, so I don't even speak 100% Farsi. I speak 70% Arabic, 30% Farsi, because they injected their language in Farsi. Wow, and you also said something yesterday that gave me the chills, and I wasn't happy about it. Because even think 10 years ago, right? We, we didn't know these words. Right? So they're changing our culture because now in our dictionaries, right? In our dictionaries, these words will be in our American dictionaries. Think about it, right? Shahada, halal. How, how many times a day you hear it on mainstream media? Jihadi, Shahada, Jizya, all of these Arabic words, Arabic words, Takiya, they are already here and we're all using them. Now, I use, I mean, I grew up in Iran. The second mandatory language taught at a school is Arabic, so that, there, there was no choice for me. But without you even knowing it, you're already speaking the language. And that's part of civilization jihad. 
That is part of civilization jihad, yes. Right. Do it, does everybody know what that is? Yep. Everybody? Do you want to just give a little? Sure. So basically there are uh, four different types of jihad. Everybody is mainly used to, when you hear jihad, you automatically think of somebody blowing up or somebody gunning down people or planes flying into our buildings. Um, but there are actually four different types. One is jihad as war. And then there's a second one, which is political jihad. Example, do I need to give the example? Uh, Hussein Obama. And then we have the financial jihad. She's funny too, huh? Well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just using his full name. Um, and then we have the financial jihad, which is every halal store you see around. I heard actually there's one literally two miles away from here. Uh, uh, Iranian, amazingly, Iranian halal store. So what happened is when you go and purchase something from a halal store, without knowing so, you're actually supporting jihadis. Because 10% of that money goes to support jihad. And again, please do not take my word for it. Open the Quran and read it. There is a verse where it says, why wouldn't you give your money for jihad in the name of Allah? You have to do it. It's mandatory. And then the fourth one is civilization jihad, where they come in, they become your friend, they are moderate Muslims, and they go to a bar, have a beer with you, and when they grow in numbers, that's when they will start converting or killing, and they take over. As evidenced by what's happening in Europe. As evidenced as what happened to my country, you won't. But yeah. Good point, good point, very good point. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask this question. Um, what things happen in Islamic countries that would shock Americans? That's a good question, very good question. Uh, to be honest, I, I wanna say, I, uh, please don't get me wrong, but I don't think anything shocks Americans anymore. <laughs> I mean, come on, we had a clinic shut down for performing female genital mutilation here in America. Nobody was shocked. But people are still, I mean, I think, I think that part of the, you know, we would have had more people, but I think people were afraid. I think people are still afraid, and so maybe they would be shocked. And maybe a lot of, a lot of times the people say that you're, you know, we're racist or, or Islamophobic. Wait, I, can, I cannot be a racist. Islam isn't a race. And I can be Islamophobe. Under Islam, I was raped, lashed, beaten, broken into pieces, uh, married off at age 14, so I don't have a phobia. My fear of Islam is very rational. That's true. Good point. Very good point. But, but quickly, just, just to hint, I guess things that could shock Americans goes back to children. Uh, because one thing I did learn here in America is a little girl is a little girl, especially to her father. You know, he would do anything and everything to protect her and give her a good childhood. And that's one thing that does not happen in Islamic countries, as I said. When you turn nine, you are announced an adult woman by government. It's not like at home they call you a woman, no. By government, meaning after age nine, you pretty much are responsible for your own actions. I told you, I was arrested for things that probably is very normal for a 10, 11 year old girl to do. You know, singing loud or dancing or showing your hair or want to look pretty and get attention. All of that is a no-no and you'd be punished for it. And age nine, if, if anyone, any one of you, if walk outside tomorrow, and saw a 30-something-year-old man holding a hand of a 10-year-old telling you, that's my wife, I'm pretty sure that would shock you. And that is very normal. Just to tell you how normal it is, 
based on registered office of Islamic Republic of Iran between 2013 and 2017, over 178,000 brides were registered under age of 15. That's how normal it is. And to top that, same time, nine, over 970,000 brides were named between 15 and 18. That's how normal it is there. Okay, so that, that would shock. That would shock some Americans. I, I think the treatment of girls, little girls, children, would definitely shock Americans. And for, I don't, you probably know this. The Brigham's, Brigham and Women's Hospital actually has, a, I wish Ray Hanna were here. Um, they have a floor, right? Charles Jacobs, right? Don't they have a floor um, dedicated to um, helping women who have ha undergone female genital mutilation? So um, a floor for repairing, right, and helping. Right. And we know that that does happen in America. Of course it does. And, and again, it goes back to another shocking part. It's, um, I was asked once, and when I was asked this question, it was awkward, but then I thought about it, and it's a very legit question. The question I was asked is, how do you ever trust anyone in your life again? I was betrayed by my parents, mother, mother and father. Now, when it comes to female genital mutilation, who does it? The mother holds the girl down while they're mutilating her. Imagine how deep the brainwash goes for a mother to have the ability to sit there and hold her little baby while she's being mutilated. Right, and while she's screaming, basically. Exactly. Yes, so that, that would shock. I mean, that's very shocking, very disturbing. Um, so I'm gonna read another question. It says, what would you have said to any care representatives who might have come here and asked you why are you speaking such hatred about my religion? I would say I am just reading off of your holy book. If it sounds hateful, then your religion is hateful. But you know, we, we, we have been brainwashed, right? I mean, hate speech, I, I just feel like if somebody asked me that seriously, I mean, that's a joke. I mean, it's a joke. Hate speech, well, it's a joke. I, well, hate speech does exist. And again, you, you see, it's propaganda, you, though. You, you, you watch a lot of uh, Muslims on TV, you know, citing Quran, and it sounds so beautiful. For example, the, this very famous uh, verse that goes on, if you kill a man, it's like you kill all men, right? But here's the reality of that verse. And it starts with, oh, people of Israel, if you kill a man, it's like you killed all men. It doesn't say, oh, believers or all Muslims. And the verse right after that says, Unless you killed him in revenge of murder, disrespect to Muhammad, or war against Allah. They leave that part out. But if you listen to these two verses, that's hate speech. Sounds very, right, but it sounds peaceful. Very peaceful. It, sound, it sounds very peaceful. So I'm going to read this um, next question. Please elaborate on the Islamic practices that are being illegally practiced in the U.S. So now we, you know, in Sharia, I mean, that isn't Sharia against the U.S. Constitution? Don't you think? Every practice is illegal. For example, mosques are Sharia courts. Say that again, because I don't think people know that. Okay, mosques are Sharia courts, meaning when there's a mosque, there's an imam in there. That imam has the right to make judgments about whatever the situation is between Muslims. For example, you want to marry a Seven-year-old, nine-year-old, ten, whatever. That is illegal in America. You don't need to go to city hall and do it. You go to your local mosque, and your imam will perform the ceremony, and you are married. 
Simple as that. Everything that is going, that is being practiced by Sharia in America is illegal technically. However, let's say the honor killings that take place in America. Media reports them as father got angry, snapped, and beheaded the daughter. They're not going to come out and say, well, he killed her because she was too Americanized. Because she didn't agree to marry the guy he picked for her because he ha she had a boyfriend. In one way or another, she brought shame to the family. And there's a very important note you all need to know. When it comes to Islam and Sharia, the honor of the family lies between the thighs of the girl. So she will, one way or another, she will bring shame to the family. And they have to repair the honor so they commit the honor killing, which is permitted in Quran, in Hadith, and also reliance of the traveler, which is Islamic teaching. Flat out, you can kill your kid and walk away free if you were restoring honor to Islam, which is part of your family. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to read the next question here. Is the president of Iran elected? Um. Oh, does the supreme ayatollah Imam here or have power over the government. So is the president of Iran elected? That's what this question says. Uh, what was about the supreme? Leader? And then it says, does the supreme ayatollah, it, it says Imam, have power over the government? So would they have power over the president? I guess that's Well, supreme leader of Islamic Republic of Iran is the government. He can wake up tomorrow morning and make a new law and it will go into uh, government and becomes civil code, penal code, or anything there is. So Supreme Leader runs the country. As far as the president being elected, we all know the answer to that. No. He's been picked before the election. Everybody knows who's going to be the next president. Okay, so he just follows in line. Pretty much. So I just wanted to go back to honor killings. Do you know the, st the stats? I'm sure Charles Jacobs does. Do you know the stats on honor killings in the U.S.? Yes, in average there are in average there are 1,200 honor killings taking place in America. Wow, a year? A year? A year. So they go underreported. There are no reports. Here's the thing. Um, very few. I believe there were only 17 cases that ever made it into being a case, and only seven of them were taken to court. That's all. Because don't forget, they always have, okay, you're a Muslim, you live in America, you're from one of the Middle Eastern countries. You behead your daughter or strangle her, or shot her, or whatever, you kill her. The best way is to go back to your country because, oh boy, oh boy, you'll be so famous and loved over there. Instead of staying here, okay. they just take off running. So, or they make some other excuse as to why she died or however they do it, right? I mean, because otherwise, wouldn't the police be involved? Well... Here's the thing, I don't know if you ever heard of this, but there are times where there is a, a Muslim girl who suddenly disappears. If you ask the family, the answer is, oh, she's back home visiting family. Well, somehow she never makes it back. Okay, so that's why the numbers are lower. They're, they're, the they're all real numbers. numbers. Yes. Okay, so I'm gonna ask this question. So what are the main points that make Islam, and I think you touched on it, but I just wanna say it again, make, make, make Islam incompatible with the U.S. Constitution? Well, we already covered the freedom of the speech, freedom of religion, freedom of press, 
But after that, uh, what it is is in Islam, as I said, a woman is pretty much a property. Also, in Quran, it mentions that a woman is half of a man. Literally, flat out. I think they have that backwards. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I will, just trying to add, I will add stay out of that one. <laughs> so, very, I mean, yeah, we do have some delusional people out there thinking they need to fight for equality and have their rights. And my answer normally, I have had calls where they ask me, why don't you join our movements? You know, the Me Too movement and the feminism movement and Linda Sarsour movement. And normally my answer is like, please do show me the right that men have that I don't have and I'd be more than happy to get behind you. But as of right now, when I look, we do have equal rights. Everything. As it should be. Exactly. As and, it should be. And that's exactly the biggest part that Islam cannot coexist with, with, with our uh, values in America. I just told you, they sell their little girls. You know, I literally, I, I, you know, I cried and begged and all those good crosses. And then at some point, simply, I looked at my dad. I'm like, but why? He literally opened the Quran and showed me why. Words of Allah. I can give you to marriage whenever I want you. I can. And there are verses and there are hadith and there are, again, reliance of travel that backs it up. There is no, oh, you don't read Arabic so you don't understand it. It is so simple that there are so many evidence that it is allowed in Islam to marry a little girl. If you read chapter 4, verse 3, I, I, it, okay, it literally, in quick translation, it tells you that if you are a guardian of a little girl, okay, it says an orphan. What is an orphan? An underage girl who lost her parents. Right, so it's still underage. If you are her guardian and you are you are attracted to her through her beauty or wealth, and you're planning to marry her, all you need to make sure of is you pay her marriage money equal as you would pay an adult woman. Chapter four, verse three, right there. It tells you that it's okay. It, just picture it for a second. You're a guardian of this kid. And you can actually be attracted and then fall in love and then marry the girl. That cannot possibly in any shape or form fit into our values in America. Right. Right. No, it makes no, it makes no sense. So let me ask you this question. Why would you say Islam is at war with humanity? Because you say that all the time. I do. I always say that and that's exactly why. You look at anything, again, if you literally take the time to read Quran. Again, I always go back to Quran. Because here's the thing, there is Sunni versus Shia fight. Shia people will tell you Sunnis are not real Muslims, and Sunni will tell you Shia are not real Muslims. But one thing in common that both follow is the Quran. There is no different Quran for them, so they follow the same Quran. So go back to the source, the Quran. That's what I always do. When I'm asked to bring up proof, I cite Quran. Not that I like to, but I have to. If you read the Quran, here are the major, okay. The most scary part of Quran is that 51% of verses in Quran is about Muslims beheading and killing infidels. That makes all of us in this room. 51% of the Quran tells them to kill infidels. How can we not think it's on a war with humanity? 
Because what is the, the basic rights of humanity? The very basic rights, just, just in case if you don't know, one of the reasons I am, I always stayed proud of my heritage of being a Persian is uh, Cyrus the Great, King of Persia. Sadly, we have no human rights in Iran today, but the very first Declaration of Human Rights was written by Cyrus the Great. And to this day, the top three articles of Declaration of Human Rights come from that. If you don't think Islamization can happen, imagine a country, a land that has started human rights is suffering under Sharia today. Right, right. So say that again, Islamization. Say Islamization. So what does that mean? Islamization that mean? is the order of Allah. So again, in Islam, it has been promised that the day that every human, breeding human is a Mohammedan or a Muslim is when the day of peace will arrive. So the goal is to convert everyone to Islam and if you're not willing to convert then be killed so everybody is a Muslim so they can reach their day of peace. That's Islamization, the process of conquering every single Country. Do you you see it? You must see it every single day. Oh, of course. I, if 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 I was about to take a guess, as far as Europe goes, seventy five percent done. As far as America goes, thirty five percent done. Wow, those are big numbers. Do other people see these things? Like, what what kinds of things would should we be looking for in terms of like would be identified as Sharia, like a hijab? Of course. No. Here's here's the simplest way to look at it. Check Care's website every morning. You see the Islamization. Because every petition they have, every lawsuit they're working on, every attack they're making on American citizens or our government is part of Islamization. They are trying to make sure that there is going to be Sharia in this country. And also, every time you hear a news that there's a new mosque going up, that's when you know. Yes, I said this, Care said I said it, and yes, I did say it, and I will keep on saying it, a mosque, goes up when an area is conquered by Islam. So every mosque stands for a conquered area by Sharia. There are enough Muslims in the area that they need their own system, legal system, which is a Sharia court, so a mosque needs to go up. Okay, and I, I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, so once the mosque goes down, that, in, that land is owned by Islam in a three mile radius? I don't know. Charles Jacobs, you can tell me three mile radius, that's what I heard, till the end of days. Uh, well, I, I don't really know the radius. Okay. That part I don't know because, again, I go back to the teaching of Islam that I was taught and uh, the, the basic teaching doesn't re really tell you the radius. But yes, when a mosque goes up, the land is theirs. It's theirs. And if Forever. you try to take it back, that's when the actual terrorism jihad will happen because they have to defend their land. They own it now. It's theirs. Right. Forever. Forever. And that's the thing. They need to turn every land Islamic. So, of course, it's forever. So, I have a question. Um, what does that mean for Israel? Because if, if it's there, if, if even though they, they took the land away, right, and then they, they took the land and they got it pulled from them, they still think it's theirs. And that's exactly why the battle between Palestine and Israel is going on forever. It's never going to end. Oh, well, I don't think. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, what do you think? Are, are we ever planning to ban Sharia? Because that it will end. If we ban Sharia everywhere, yes, it will end. But until such time, no, it will not end. 
Okay, so that's a good point. So that's something to keep in mind, right? Why they keep fighting, because mm -hmm. it's not going to end. So I'm going to try to get through some of these questions. Do we have a time? Anybody give me a time? So we can Thank you. Um, so quickly, how did you meet the women and participants in the honor diaries? That's what this question says. I'm sorry, I'm repeat that. It says, how did you meet the women and, oh, participate in the honor diaries? That wasn't you. I was not. I didn't think so. That's I'm so. I'm trying to. Read. Do you think Muhammad was angry at his mother? This is a psychology question. Who's the psychologist? So, do you think Muhammad was angry at his mother for dying when he was six years old, and that is why he did not like women very much? I am really not qualified to answer that question. Sorry. I am, and I'm going to say yes. So there you go. I do have a background in psychology. I do. Um, okay, if, if, it, if, if, let me just read this because it says, it starts with if it isn't too personal, so I'm going to finish reading it first. Okay. If it isn't too personal, have you replaced Islam with another theology? If so, which one and why? Um, are you practicing any? Yes, I know. Um, if you don't mind, I don't know who asked the question. I leave my faith out of my fight because I'm not fighting for my fight. I, for my faith, I am fighting for humanity. Thank you. Isn't she wonderful? Yes. We're going to have you back again. You know that. That's We're going right. to have you back again. So Iran, it says Iran has a very young population. Do you have any hope for a counter-revolution? Um, honestly, I do if other countries are willing to step in. My people cannot do it by themselves. Not why we are handing $150 billion over to the government. Not why we are making deals with Canadian um, airplane companies, making business. Not when uh, people from France are going building uh, hotels in Iran. If other countries are willing to step in, then yes. I know for a fact this time around they can overthrow the regime. Okay, good. We'll be watching for that. Um, okay, it says, there are women professors of Islamic law at many U.S. universities. Are they teaching the truth or lies? Lies. Because under Islam, you cannot be a teacher as a woman. Oh. You have half a brain. How do you become a teacher? So, no, they're not. They're, they are playing the tequila card. <laughs> to let the Western woman think, hey, I'm a Muslim woman and I'm free and I wear my hijab with all these makeup and there's no problem with it. No, that's not true. Again, go back and read. Even if you don't have the time to read the whole Quran, do me a favor, read the fourth chapter. Chapter four is what it's called the woman. Everything is right there in black and white. So that's your homework assignment, chapter four. Right? The woman? That's what yes. it's called? The woman. Okay. So this question says, why don't American feminists, I hate that word, mm -hmm. I hate that word, why don't American feminists come out against Sharia with its lack of women's rights, female genital mutilation, etc.? Yeah, what's going on with that? Well, first of all, because they are too busy being a sport and not understanding the meaning of freedom. <laughs> Number two, they're being led by whom? Linda Sarsour, a puppet place to further the agenda of Islamization. I think those two reasons are the main reasons they're not doing it. Have you ever met her? I tried. I have sent 15 invitations to her. Haven't heard back yet. That would be interesting. Very good. I'd like to be there for that. Um, here's, a, here's a question. How did you become so courageous? Because you are courageous. You are oh, courageous. Oh, thank you. I, I personally don't think I'm courageous. 
I don't think that's what I am. I, I am not gonna hide it. I have always admitted to the fact that I am terrified of the song. Every time, every morning when I think there's a possibility that I have to go back to the life that I ran from, it terrifies me. So I fight because I'm afraid. I don't fight because I'm courageous. We think you're courageous though, I'm just gonna say, right? Don't people think she's courageous? We do, we do. Um, okay, so does, does Islam completely separate the Judeo-Christian God from Allah so that all of Islam's God is what Muhammad claims was given in revelation to him by Gabriel? We have very intelligent um, people asking questions here. So does Islam completely separate the Judeo-Christian God from Allah? No. What Islam does is Allah is supposedly the God. What happened is Christians and Jews changed the words of God, made their own human-made rules, therefore they are not the believers. Did that make sense? That's the problem. Okay, and then at the end it says, in other words, Allah equals Muhammad's claims. Honestly, I don't even know if Allah exists. It says, in other words, Allah equals Muhammad's claim. So Muhammad is claiming something and I guess um, saying that it was from Yeah, Allah. here's the thing. Uh, the, the biggest issue with Allah, I personally think Allah was Muhammad's imaginary friend. Because every time there was a verse coming to Muhammad, there are no witnesses, nobody knows when it happened. And again, if you do take the time to read the Quran, it's just way too convenient. It's extremely convenient. And also the fact that there are, there, are, there are moments that I have said it, and yes, I do actually have a fatwa or a bounty on me for saying this, but if Allah existed, he definitely is bipolar because he can't make up his mind. We have medication for that though. Well, yeah, but you know, it's a law. We, do. we have. He, well, he can't guys, take it. He can't take the medication. So we have a lot of questions here, and I think the room um, is the room being used by somebody else afterwards. Does anybody know? We keep. No, we oh, can't keep going. You're my hero. You are my hero, Nick. There we go. I don't have to feel rushed. There we go. Give give him a big round, nice applause there. Okay, so this says, what part of the Quran, and they spelled it with the K and the Q, good, good, good work, um, would you suggest Americans read? You just said chapter four. Now, chapter four, um, I normally say read chapter four if you are a woman, and now I'm not being sexist. It's just, you know, it kind of shocks you to know how worthless you are in Islam. But it also read chapter nine. What's in chapter nine? The, chapter nine is known as the sword chapter. It's basically one of the, the majority of behead them and you know, slaughter them and kill them comes in that chapter. If you read chapter nine, you'll be very clear that it does mention specifically Jews and Christians. You know, there's this argument a lot of, for, you know, a lot of Muslims say, hey, Jews and Christians are not non-believers. They count as believers. Like, have you read chapter 9? Because it clearly says they are not. They're not people of God. So, chapter 9 and chapter 4 would be definitely important to read. Okay, so another homework assignment. Okay, and you can find this online, right? Yes, qura.com. And when you get there, pick 
Sahih International Translation. Can you spell that? 20 different, um, different translations. Sahih is S-A-H-I-H, and then International. So I just want to go back because you mentioned the word takiyah. Do people in the room know what that means? You want to just say it for, for and, people? And uh, for the record, because I'm, I'm working on that, you know, you don't necessarily have to say takiyah, just say the seed. There's an English word oh. for it. Don't use the Arabic word, the seed. So if you use the word deceive, which is already in the dictionary. Yes. I got it. I got it. We're learning. We're learning here. Okay, so this is a question that I can answer, but I'll let you answer this. Does Michigan pose a danger to America? Yes. Oh boy, do I have to answer that? I am um, I, just so you know, I am actually plugging this in. On April 21st, I will be in Dearborn, Michigan speaking. Okay. Have you been there before? Nope, this is the first time. So I, I just want to tell people, I went to Dearborn, Michigan after the um, Republican National Convention last summer, mm -hmm. or the summer before, and I went to Dearborn, Detroit, and I'm missing one, what was the other one? Flint, Flint. Everything in Dearborn is in Arabic. Everything, block after block after block. And we drove through two days in a row. During the day, you don't see anybody outside. You don't see any women outside. There were a couple, there were just a couple in burkas um, in some of the stores, but you see nobody on the street. You don't see anybody. But I, to answer that question, uh, just to make sure it says, is, is Michigan a threat to America, right? That was, Michigan is a steel part of America, so no. But people who are running Michigan are a threat to America for sure, because they are literally 99% done with the Islamization. So you know what, you brought up a good, is, is Keith Ellison Michigan? No, Minnesota. Minnesota, sorry. So Keith Ellison, I believe, I believe, when he took his oath of office, he took, he, he did it on the Quran. Yes. How does did. that work? Because does that work with the Constitution? Well, no, it doesn't. But hey, we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't want to be Islamophobe. We don't want to be bigot. And we don't want to be racist. So we'll let them do what they want to do. Too much to think about. I know. It's, that's the thing. They, they, they make it so complicated and so hard. Actually, I had this conversation with a friend of mine that, you know, if you go read between Quran and Hadith and Reliance of the Traveler, they make it so complicated, so hard for you to get through it that you just give up. I mean, I think, I don't know, maybe if I wasn't raised in Iran and was starting second grade, I wasn't taught Quran, I probably wouldn't tolerate sitting there for hours trying to figure this whole combination out. But uh, when it comes to, you know, that's, that's one of the things CARE does, you know. Every time there is a, whatever, even accusation or a real incident with a person of Muslim society, they come running, right? And uh, I actually wrote to them once myself, and I said, I have a question. Every single person who's being arrested and put in prison in Islamic Republic of Iran today because of this movement, they're all Muslims. Why don't you try to help them? Oh, no. You only do it for the proper in-front-of-camera people in America because that's the last place that you don't have control of yet. So let's go and get sympathy. Us poor oppressed people who are being uh, prosecuted for our faith. And they win a lot of lawsuits. Of course they do. They win a lot of lawsuits. So do people in the room know that CARE, um, the it's FBI, Charles, I'm sure, and you, the, the FBI does not work with them anymore, right? right. 
that correct? They don't work with them anymore after the Holy Land Foundation Well, they trial? are the unindicted co-conspirator right. of the Holy Land Foundation case, which, since you brought that up, I was challenged by Kerr that I say Kerr is Hamas, and I don't know what I'm talking about. So I, I, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it, but anyone in this room, if you don't know why Kerr is Hamas, we do actually have a DVD and a book in the front from Understanding the Threat, ran by John Gondola, a former FBI agent who did a full investigation. They played a huge role when it came to Holy Land Foundation. So if you really want to know who Kerr is, pick up a DVD and pick up a book. They're very, the DVD is short, the book is pretty small, easy read. Get yourself educated so next time a care member tells you that we are just American Islamic society, you can give them a couple of facts about how you know who they are. Great, and you can share these with people. So if it seems like it's too much money for you, you know, chip in a couple of people and then you can just take turns with them. And then you can charge your friends a couple bucks when you let them borrow it, right? <laughs> Why not, right? Then you'll make your money back, so it'll be, all be good. Oh yeah, open your own Islamic library and then Seriously. Right, you could, have, you could make some good money there. So I think you, um, I don't know, did you answer this? How old were you when you escaped? We have very educated people here. The Islamic Republic of Iran. I'm loving these questions. I was 15. I was 15 when I was a smuggler out of the country. However, I didn't make my way to America until I was 18. Reason. I respect this country. I'm not going to push myself in as a Good for you. Good for you. So I think we might have answered this, but I'm going to, it says, what does Islam teach its followers about Jews and Christians? Kill them. That's the that's one. I mean, at the beginning, if you're not big enough in numbers and you're not strong enough financially, you let them pay the jizya, which is a protection money. A lot of people translate jizya into Islamic tax. No, in reality, it's protection money. So you pay Muslims to not come and kill you. That's called protection money. You pay the jizya and you agree to leave as a second-class citizen. So you don't have all the rights of Muslims. But when they grow in numbers and they're financially stable enough, then that's time they're going to kill you or give you a chance to convert. So if you don't, you have only have three choices, right? Convert, pay the tax, or die. No, at the end of the day, you just have a choice of convert or die. Okay, convert or die, that's it. So you, you mentioned um, Reliance on the Traveler, you mentioned the Hadith. So how many, what are the main books um, that practicing Muslims use? What are the main books? Uh, Practicing Muslims like use, is that what you asked? I guess. My, the well, Quran? they don't use any books. They just listen to their imam. They listen to the imam. Okay, that's a good point. Because a lot of, in, in, in um, Middle Eastern countries, Charles is the expert, that you are too, um, they, uh, many people are illiterate in their own language, right? So they can't read the books themselves. They only hear what the imam says. Uh, true, but the funny thing is, no matter, how, no matter what the situation, you will, one way or another, you will learn Arabic, so you can say the prayer. Because you say your prayer in Arabic, by the way, Allah is so talented, he only speaks one language. I speak more languages than Allah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's a good question. How do you explain the nicer verses in the Quran? Which one? Give me an example, because they don't exist. Well, there are people that say that the beginning of the Quran, when Muhammad um, first began, that all, was peaceful. All, all the nice verses are, Allah is great, Allah is merciful, Allah is best, Allah is that, Allah is that. That is just Allah giving himself prop. 
And then it goes to, okay, don't kill your Muslim brother. It's about Muslims. And the funny thing is it doesn't say your Muslim sister. Don't kill your Muslim brother. And again, unless you're killing him because he killed someone of your family. You know, there, there are all these you know, notes under each article of laws. But in reality, there are no real, actual, tangible, nice verses in Quran. There are verses that explains the heaven. You know, seven layers and there are little boys being passed around Muslim men to serve them. You know, there is this and there is that. But you can't really count it as a nice verse because it's describing heaven. Where on the other hand, it's describing hell as to where a woman who committed adultery will be hung by her hair while hot oil is, you know, shoved down her throat. I think that writes off the other good one on heaven. Yeah. You know. and, and, but you did mention, though, that when, when some of these verses are quoted, only a piece of it is quoted. Yes, cherry picking. Exactly. So then it might look nice. That's the point. That's why I said, tell me which one, because in reality, they don't exist. And by the way, my father was a sheikh. A sheikh is a, higher, uh, a step higher than an imam. So he was a rule maker himself. And my mother was a Quran teacher. And imagine growing up with them. I pretty much, before I even go to school, I knew the entire Quran. Uh, not because I wanted to or not because I could read it, but because she would drag me everywhere with her to her classes. No, my unconscious started picking it up, so I had Quran memorized by about age five. And then, um, and don't worry, don't worry, I started deleting them. I'm using my brain cells for better purposes now. But, 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 but the point is, I, um, to this day, I have read the Quran, the full Quran, over 40 times. If there was a single, and I'm a very fair person, if there was a single verse in Quran that was a nice verse, I would definitely tell you about it. And you would know. I would know and I would tell you about it, but it isn't. It doesn't exist. So can you just mention abrogation? Because I think that's where people get confused. Abrogation, is that, that's when the later verses basically push out the earlier verses? Well, what happened was, Muhammad started his journey of, you know, made up religion in Mecca, right? And that's where he basically tried to steal some of the ideas from Christianity and Judaism and make his own verses around it, which would describe, as I said, beautiful heaven and a scary hell and that Allah is this and that, and you should follow Muhammad because that, that was very important. And um, after years and years, he was definitely not successful to gain you know, followers. So what he did was he moved to Medina. And that's exactly where 90% of kill or convert, kill or convert verses started coming to him. And yes, they all override the previous verses. So in reality, Quran isn't as big as it should be. If you shrink it into those verses that actually apply because they, they're done with the old ones, it becomes a very smaller piece of book that will cover women's property, rape her, kill her, and anyone who's not a Muslim, kill her. That's all it's gonna come Pretty to. straightforward. But I'm telling you, it's no not ambiguity. That hard. No ambiguity. Yeah. But the Quran that you read is not in a proper order either. That's another way they try to confuse people. For example, uh, the, the second chapter of Quran wasn't the second chapter that was revealed to Muhammad. It wasn't. And at the moment, I am working on publishing a Quran that is in a proper order, actually. Oh, that's a yes. great idea. That's a great idea. So people would understand if, if the real second chapter will be there 
And then you can easily see how it was overwritten by a later chapter in Quran. So I'm going to give another football analogy. <laughs> I love football. Um, you should read the other team's playbook. Right? You should always read the other team's playbook just so that you know. Just as, as I think everybody should go to CARE's website. Or go to the website or the Facebook page um, for the mosque in Boston. Right? That's where you should go. Instead of, instead of looking at stuff you already know, you know, do I, I think it was against the Jets or something, I think, with Bill Belichick, but anyway. Okay, so what do you just, think? Ju just a quick note, another thing you can do, I do it actually, when there is an event, any Islamic event, attend, ask questions, and I will guarantee you almost you will never get an answer. Never. They will be nice, they will dodge the question, they will give you an irrelevant answer, but never, especially if the question is about Muhammad or the Quran, you won't get an answer. But show up. What if you're afraid Tell them you what want if you're afraid? to learn, then I'll be here to learn. What if you're afraid though? What if you're afraid to show up? What if afraid, you're afraid of what? We're all Americans. Americans aren't afraid. Or at least I was told. So what I would say is if you are afraid, that doesn't have to stop you. So the goal isn't to not be afraid, right? The goal is you can have your fear and still walk to and go to an Islamic event. Hey, I'm almost a million dollar baby with all the money they put on my head. If I can do it, you can do it. Exactly, I like that. Okay, so what do you think the chances, this is a good one, for Islam to be reformed or modernized? Impossible. Because in Quran, again, Allah warned Muslims about reformers. There's a verse, and forgive me as I can't call, it, call the number on top of my head, but it does say, and when they create corruption on earth, they say we are nothing but reformers. There is no way you can reform Islam. So is um, Zudi um, Jasso beating his head uh, against the wall? Pretty much, and, and, and again, another thing about what makes Islam a song. It's the Quran, and the prophet without the prophecy, right? Oops. What are you going to do? You're going to replace your prophet who had a six-year-old wife? How do you go back in time and tell him, hey, don't marry the six-year-old so I can keep on praising you? How do if you he's perfect, that? If he's perfect, That's you can't point. take anything out. Yeah. How, right? how, how do you reform that part of your religion? Change your prophet so basically you're starting brand new cult. Right, right. So here's a question, we touched on this. Are there communities in the U.S. where Sharia is practiced? And you just said, every mosque. How many mosques are there in Massachusetts? So I did look up the stats on this, and to, the last list is from 2010. So we are working on trying to make that list more accurate, but since 2010, but there are quite a few. So every mosque, would you say every mosque they're practicing? Is that if, could you say every mosque they're practicing Sharia? Every mosque is a Sharia court. Every single one of them. And again, read Reliance of the Traveler if you don't believe me. I believe you. Thank you. I believe you. Okay, so what is the prevailing feelings of the Iranian, um, I think it says citizenry, with respect to the Quran, democracy, I guess I'm not sure. What is, what is the prevailing feelings of the Iranian citizen with respect to the Quran and democracy. There's, there's no such thing as democracy, is there? No, there isn't. But I, I, the, I wonder how the normal Iranian citizen feels today. That's the question. Uh, they feel oppressed, exhausted, completely ripped off of their rights, 
and they do actually the recent if you look at the recent articles and videos if any of them make it out you'll see that they are chanting and requesting the removal of sharia separation of church and state in iran thank you um you said other countries need to step in to help free iran does that mean military action or can be stepping in can stepping in being in other ways and what are they you said the best way to do it is to stop supporting the regime financially and ban sharia oh, well not yet i mean we we can't ban sharia in iran we can't but if we corner the regime deep enough that would give the people of iran a bit of a chance but at the moment they're getting they're getting support from everyone everybody every country every major country is supporting them but any any deal they can make with them and let's not forget about the most shameful deal of ours that was a lot of money here's a good question how can we stop care in the muslim brotherhood you get educated when you're educated enough to know about sharia that is when thanks to our constitution you can actually take legal action to ban sharia sharia is banned all these organizations will have to go away so there are a couple of things Ted Cruz has been trying to be on the Muslim Brotherhood. So if you look look that up cuz he is Yeah, but uh, sorry to interrupt, but here's the thing. You can get rid of one group and another one will pop up. We have got to go for the root of the problem, which is ban sharia. Ban and sharia. we can. So instead of banning Muslim Brotherhood, ban sharia. Yep, right. So you know uh, for people uh, may, you might not know that they're passing laws, I think in 26 states maybe. It's called ALAC. American laws for American courts. So just the fact that about half of the states have to pass this, that should tell you everything you need to know. Why do we have to pass laws in the United States that say American laws for American courts? Right? That doesn't make any sense. Because Islam says divide and conquer. That's why. Um, so we have a few more questions, then we're going to wrap it up. It says, is it okay to lie to the infidel? You said yes. yes. But there are only three circumstances you can do that. Your life is in danger, and if you admit to being a Muslim, you'll be killed. You're more than welcome to lie and say you are not a Muslim. Two, another Muslim brother. Key point, brother. It has to be a Muslim brother, a woman, who cares? A fellow Muslim brother's life is in danger, and you have to deny knowing him practicing Islam. Three. You are helping further the agenda of Islamization. Yes, we have a couple more questions here. So why do they keep chanting in Iran, death to America? Who does that? The, the videos that you see is basically that maybe 2% of people in Iran who are devoted Muslim, and they do hate America and everything America stands for. But if you actually had eyes inside Iran, you would know that back in 2009, people were holding signs asking Obama to help them. Nobody was chanting that time America. So the, the last part, is, part it said if the people are not for Sharia, but they don't have a choice. They have to be out there doing that, right? Well, they don't have yeah. a choice. They, they can't say, no, I'm going to stay home. Iran, if you're not a Muslim, you're dead. They literally will take away everything you have. If you have a business, if you have a home, if you have a car, if you have investment anything they will take that away and then they take you to prison and then gradually they kill you so in order to survive now i was nine and as i said you know i was supposed to say the shahada which is admitting allah is the only god and muhammad is the prophet 
and become an official adult Muslim woman. I didn't say the Shahada. There was a room filled with nine-year-olds, everybody's chanting. I didn't say mine. Because right there and then something literally didn't click. I'm like, wait, what? But even though I didn't, did I remove my hijab and go on the street chanting death to Sharia? No. I had to stick around and suffer through everything they put me through until I had a way out. I had to pretend like them. So here's a, um, we just have a few more questions. So ex this one says, explain the differences between traditional people here, um, i.e. the Amish, Shaker, Quaker, traditional Jewish, and Sharia. Um, I don't think I'm, that's what it says here. So I'm not, I, I think I'm not, I'm not. Explain the differences between traditional people here. I'm not sure if you want to elaborate on that question, whoever gave. Uh, the number one thing that I find is that people uh, say, we already have these groups here, and they're all traditional people. And they all, have, they all want to have their own little cliques and their own little way of life. And why shouldn't the Arabs and, and their Sharia Okay. The the number one thing the number one thing I need to rephrase on your sentence. Nobody's talking about Arabs here. Okay. okay. We're talking about Sharia. Sharia. Yeah. Muslims. And the reason for that is none of those traditional groups came in and tell me that I can't talk about them. I will be dead if I criticize them. They didn't tell me they're gonna stop obeying the law of the land because their God is more important. That would be the reason. So I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to get to all the rest of these because there are multiple questions, but so uh, you, you said a lot. You did. I, did people feel like you learned a lot today? Yeah. So we are going to have Annie back. So I want to plug a couple of things. So you, you're going to be at the Canal Bar, right? The Canal Bar in Worcester this Friday, 7 p.m. It's a $10 entrance fee. Um, you buy your own drinks, your own food. Okay, I know there are quite a few people already signed up for that, so you'll be there. We have a private event this Thursday. Um, if you're interested, come see me. Um, it's invite only, just so you know. Did you want to show any of these books? Yes, as I said, we have a DVD in the front. And the main reason I would say, make sure to pick it up, and it's not even that expensive, is that was an event that understanding the threat John Gondola and Chris Galbert had in Iowa. And here's what happened. The front row was covered. It was taken by members of Iowa Care. They showed up, and trust me, you watch that video, you will learn how to actually talk to your care members. It's the best teaching tool because John Guandola literally took on every single member, including a hijab-wearing woman who's a um, chairwoman of Iowa Care. And they literally all got up and left the room. You want to learn how to deal with them? Get that DVD. It's the best tool. I actually was there, but even though I was there, I grabbed the DVD and watched it over and over. It was amazing. The second book we have is written by John Guantolo, Raising a Jihadi Generation. It will give you a lot of details. First, the question you asked me, what to look for that is the actual the schooling or brainwashing of our youth here in America. It will give you a lot of details on it. And then we have another book called United in Hate by Dr. Jamie Glasgow. Yeah. I wasn't capable of arguing or debating a leftist when it came to the argument of Sharia until I read that book. 
and now I actually take on the base of them. So all three are tools for you to know how to take action and stop this conversation. I love that. And again, if you, you know, if it's too much money, all pool your resources, right? And each table can share a couple books or a DVD, right? And then you can pass it around. Um, and then one more thing I forgot, I think the most important one. If you want, my organization, Live Up to Freedom, isn't just to educate the public. We actually, for last 11 years, we have been actively rescuing women and children suffering on the Shuriyam. We have all of our petitions, we have all of our rescue cases, we have successful cases on liveuptofreedom.com. That's my website, liveuptofreedom.com. You can go in there and subscribe. The reason we ask for subscription, when there's a new case, when we are going in to rescue a girl or a woman, we reach out to everyone. No, we don't ask for money. We ask for signatures, because that's the first step we need to take. So the more name we have, the better chances of doing the case, and if you actually want to be involved with something good, a cause that is saving real human lives, then you can do that through my website, livewaptofreedom.com. Is there any place else on, on um, social media that people can find you? Um, yes, you look up my name on Google, you find all my social media How do you spell pages. it? But, oh, yes. It's A-Y-N-A-Z, and then middle name is A-N-N-I, last name is Cyrus, C-Y-R-U-S. But if you go to Live Up to Freedom on the top, there's a link to all my social media channels as well. Okay, and I see everybody writing. Up at the front, we have a list of resources that actually has um, uh, the website that Andy just spoke of. So you can just grab one of these on your, on your way out. Um, they're on every table as well. And they're on every table as well. There you go. So I want to thank you. This was, this was wonderful. Thank and you. I'm so thrilled to have met you. So thrilled to have met you. I am so glad I made us here, and hopefully we keep doing it. I'm going to have you back, and maybe she'll live in Boston one day. Yeah. Yeah? What do you think? Thank you. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.